Hey, Rob Rosenthal here. Hello from the Grady College of Journalism at the University of Georgia. I'm teaching a transom traveling workshop here. Nine students, they're being put through the paces. They have to produce a radio story in just one week. And for most of them, it's their first ever. If you'd like to join Transom for a workshop, we're offering one in Marfa, Texas in December. The good people at Marfa Public Radio are hosting. I've never been, and I can't wait to go because I've heard nothing but good things about Marfa. Find out more about the workshop at transom.org. Now let's get started. On your mark, get set, radio race. <laughs> This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. Usually, when Esther Honig is on the air, she sounds kind of like this. The Charter Review Committee was announced last year by Mayor Andrew Ginther and Councilman Shannon Hardin. Its aim was to research the best way to restructure city council. In the end, they recommended adding two council members for a total of nine. All members. Esther is a reporter for WOSU in Columbus, Ohio. She reports two to three spots a week. Here's another. The panel of specialists included medical professionals and public policy experts. Mark Polencar, an elected official from Erie County in New York, says the state and federal government can only be so effective. Combating the opioid epidemic will take the leadership huh. of and I don't remember doing that one, but okay. Um, yeah, well, you know, the those are definitely like harder news pieces, right, because they're only like 30 seconds. Do you often forget the spots that you produce? I do. <laughs> I'll be honest because, you know, they're, I, I do them in maybe an hour. Um, they're under deadline, and it's, it's kind of like I get them out of the way so I can give it back to my feature reporting, but don't let my editor know that. In addition to her two to three spots a week, Esther also produces longer pieces where she gets to stretch her legs a little bit. She says she prefers features because she has the time to reveal the emotional side of a story. Like this one about a father who is just days away from being deported. It's a Monday afternoon, and Jesus Manuel Lara Lopez watches his four kids play basketball in the backyard. But his mind is elsewhere. He wonders how he'll get the extra money to pay the mortgage on his home, the lease on his car, and the other bills. His deportation is only a week away, and without him, his wife can't afford to make these payments. This is the life he's built for himself and his family. And it's about to change. Lara has tried to keep things as normal as possible. He still works nights at a packaging warehouse and spends his days with his kids, taking them to the park and to church. His youngest is six and doesn't understand what's going on. His oldest, Eric, is 13 and wonders how he'll help care for his siblings. It's kind of serious if I be the man of the house. I mean, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to feed them. Eric and his siblings were all born in the U.S. Even though Esther's feature reporting is more involved and creative than the spots she produces, there's still standard-issue public radio. Solid reporting, but nothing groundbreaking in terms of how the story is told or produced. And that's not me being critical. Esther thinks so, too. She says it's all a bit formulaic. Like, I have a four-minute time block, and I have to get my intro and my outro in that and have to wrap it up and get the nut graph in there. Well, a couple of years ago, Esther had an opportunity to toss all that to the wind, a chance to produce something completely different. An email came into the station where she was working. It was an announcement for KCRW's 24-hour radio race. I think I just saw it as a challenge. She reached out to other station staff to see who might be interested, and she got two thumbs up from Matthew Hodap and Patrick Quick. And so the three of them signed up. They paid their $5 entrance fee and waited for the day of the race. 
The Rady Race is one of our most exciting things we do every year. This is Nick White. He's an editor for KCRW's Independent Producers Project. It's essentially an opportunity to make a radio piece in under 24 hours. We give you guys a theme at 10 a.m. and uh, about 200 teams compete to make a story based on that theme. Previous themes include Out of Range and The Last Thing You'd Expect. Racers learn about the theme from a video, like this one from 2015, the year Esther entered the race. Hello, I'm Bob Carlson, producer of KCRW's Unfictional, speaking to you from the year 2050. And these are interesting times, as they say. KCRW now broadcasting from Pluto, reaching a whole new kind of audience. The radio race has become a spectator sport even more popular than the World Cup. Past contestants are important historical figures. In fact, I remember who won this race. I'm not going to tell you. It's a little surprising. And now it's time to deliver what radio racers around the world have been waiting for. The theme to 2015's KCRW Radio Race. Time change. And it was time change. And so we pulled over this big whiteboard and we start playing with ideas. And the first ideas that, like, caught our attention were, like, the most literal interpretations of time change, um, which we, you know, thought would have – we, I think, at the time thought would have made for really interesting stories, but in hindsight um, would have been possibly really boring. Um, but they were like, oh, time zones, like Kansas City or Kansas has a time zone at the very, like, furthest western corner of the state. There's, a, you know, an hour difference. We were, like, Facebook messaging, like, people in other parts of Kansas asking them about the time zone change. Like, how do you drive to work? Like, what happens if you leave your house and then you get to work and you're an hour late? That is absolutely not what happens. That's, by the way, just so you know, we never found anyone who could verify that. But we did waste a lot of time trying to figure that one out. So they chucked that idea out the window. Next, there's a guy in town who disappears for long periods of time. Then he reappears. It's something he's known for. Where does he go? What's he do during that time? Could be a story. So they went to go find him in a coffee shop he hangs out in and... Nope, wasn't there. Back to the drawing board they went. Only this time it was a napkin. Esther jotted down ideas while they hung out in the coffee shop. And all the while, time's a ticking. Were you guys often looking at the clock and saying things like, hey, look, it's it's 11 o'clock. We got to get going. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially for those that first morning of like throwing things at the wall and they're not sticking, you know? It was like, oh my God, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock, like we still don't know what we're doing. Between the time zone idea and the disappearing dude idea, Esther remembers spending a good six hours flailing with nothing to show for it. That's a quarter of the race. And at that point, what they needed, Esther said, was something simple, easy, a quick interview and bang it out. But instead, Esther considered tossing out an idea that was not the least bit simple. Something she almost brought up earlier, but thought better of it. Yeah, I really, I really avoided it. It made me nervous. It made me a little anxious and probably more than anything, nauseous. How do you come up with the themes? It's kind of like what we would think about for any good theme for a radio storytelling show. Here's Nick from KCRW again. What's evocative? What add stakes to any story, what what gives people enough freedom also to kind of work in this limited, you know, 24-hour period and still make something good. 
How widely can the themes be interpreted? We're pretty loose with how we interpret the theme. Um, as long as it sort of has one hand on it, we're pretty generous. Really, the ultimate purpose of the theme is to make sure you don't just submit some piece you made last year or something like that, to really kind of make sure you're putting the work of your radio making into this 24-hour period. So what would be wrong if someone submitted something they produced last year? What would be wrong? That would be cheating, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> the whole spirit of the competition is to, to compete uh, in 24 hours and to see what kind of uh, results you get from that kind of limitation. I think some of the best creativity happens when you have kind of restrictions on, on yourself. And uh, we just find there's such an energy to the pieces that come out of this race. Um, it's just so interesting. Um, and it sounds not like anything else you hear on the radio, like a 24-hour radio race piece. This has a visceral feeling to it that I just don't hear anywhere else. Can you pinpoint that? Like, what is that? What's the character of it? Um, a little less refined, obviously. There is some urgency to it, and you can tell. And, you know, this might be colored by the fact that I'm monitoring everything over Twitter and Facebook and seeing people as they put things together. But you can just feel this sort of nervous energy that has gone into things. And so um, we were sitting down and we ordered lunch. Okay, so back to Esther and the great idea that made her nauseous. And I started scribbling out our story ideas again on like a napkin. And there was like a part of me that wanted to suggest we do this story about my dad, but I also didn't want to make the radio race about me, but our options had kind of run out. So I explained, well, you know, there's this time change concept sort of happening with my dad. I know we can do it. You know, he's at a nursing home across town. We can go there. Esther's dad suffers from Alzheimer's. It's pretty advanced. And so it's hard for her to be around him. And she thought it would be hard for her race partners, too you're not going to be very comfortable going to this place. Like, it, it scares a lot of people, and it scared me when I first went there. The three of them talked it through. They prepared for some of the challenges, and then they drove to the interview and recorded Esther's dad. But honestly, from that point on, it was really smooth sailing. Like, I don't remember looking at the clock in... I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't worried about hitting the deadline after we had figured out the story because... It all just came together so so easily. I mean, I okay, that's not true. I think I'm lying. Um, definitely getting the script together was was intimidating. When something is that emotional and like just kind of like a hot coal inside of you, like it's 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 hard to try and um, put down like full sentences or paragraphs that you know string into a narrative that makes sense. And so that was really where you know my team was helping me along, was sort of shaping it and um, you know beginning, middle, and end sort of thing. And then and then we've recorded it from that. And I think back about it all the time. This is still probably the favorite story I've ever produced. And I think it will always be that way because with having gone through what I've gone through with my dad, I was always looking for an opportunity that would really encapsulate that, that would really like share it with other people. And like, I didn't expect this to be it, but it was. Do you know where you were born? Yeah, I was born in San Francisco. Okay. And what, do you remember what year? I think it was 1552, 1452. Hey, Dad, do you, do you know what day it is today? Yeah. 
January 19th, 1951. January 19th, I was born in January 19th, 1951. This is my dad, Jordan Honig, and for the last four or five years, he's been displaced in time. Do you, um, do you remember when you first started to get Alzheimer's? I didn't get Alzheimer's. You didn't? No. You could almost say he's a, a time traveler because he slips through time and space. Sometimes you might even catch him in the present, but it, it depends, I guess. So for the past year, he's lived in a nursing home, and it's uh, this tiny little corridor. Um, it's the type of place where there's linoleum flooring and, and fluorescent lights, and there's, there's hardly any windows. It's the sort of place where the, the scenery never really changes. And anything important that we should know about this year, 1951? It, the, it, there really was a, bro, a, 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 a big uh, wave. I was the first person to start uh, creating uh, uh, things to eat. Just I th- everything I could think of that, that uh, you would need to be in, a, in, a, uh, in, on a, in an ark. Oh, this is the Ark story. It is, yes. The story of the Great Ark. Yes. And then the wave, the tidal yes. wave came. That was the tidal wave you were talking about earlier. Yes, the tsunami. And you had your Ark built. Yes, the Ark was, ark was already built, and it's still, it's still running. So he's, he's talked about the Ark before. I started documenting my dad around the time that he was diagnosed when he was 60, and he's had these reoccurring themes. And one of them is, is the Great Flood, or, or maybe uh, sometimes it's a tsunami wave, and the Ark. This is taped from him four years ago. In your adolescence, you went to Israel too, didn't you? Yes, I did. And uh, we, we, were, we were looking at what was left of the Ark. And in the Ark, we found not just Israeli coins, but Bedouin coins. He did actually go to Israel when he was out of college. Um, but of course, finding the Ark is a bit of an elaboration. <laughs> but at different stages, he's, um, he's bu- been building the Ark. Or, or maybe he's been searching for the Ark. Um, but now now he's actually he's progressed to sailing the Ark. And, and it's, this, um, it's this need to escape the impending tsunami, this this wave that's going to come at him and, and crash down on, over everything. It was a, a way of keeping alive, yes. Seems like that's it's kind of what's happening in your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and as you got everything that you could onto mm-hmm. the ark, and, and then, then they as the go, wave came, they go. To lose my dad in this way makes me wonder, what is a person without time? Who do we become without a present or a past? Just lost at sea. Esther Honig produced that story along with Matt Hodap and Patrick Quick. It's called The Time Traveler's Ark. It was the winner of the 2015 24-hour radio race from KCRW. What was it about the Time Traveler's Ark, the winner from 2015, that made it a winner, you think? Gosh, it was just so head and shoulders above the rest production-wise and story-wise. It just felt really crafted. And uh, it surprised folks, I think, the way that they were able to work in a little bit of surprise, a little bit of story into such a small, short piece. 
Uh, I think people just had the best time listening to that one out of all of them. Nick from KCRW has been a part of the race for five years. Along the way, he's learned what works and what doesn't. He says, make sure your gear is working. Test it before the race starts. He also highly recommends finishing at least a half hour early. He says you'll need that time to upload your file to SoundCloud. In terms of content, I think surprising us, um, I think going out into the world and um, letting something happen to you uh, tends to really uh, go well with the judges and is really in the spirit of the race. Um, we just love this uh, vision of uh, hundreds of radio producers running all over the world for this uh, one period, one, one 24-hour period in August. Um, so go do that for us. Okay. Go do it. You can sign up for KCRW's 24-hour radio race right now. The race starts Saturday, August 19th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, and it ends 24 hours later. What you going to make? Can't wait to hear it. Oh, wait. I almost forgot. Winners will have their story aired on KCRW's Unfictional. They also win cash. Uh, the first place winner wins about 1000 bucks, and it goes down from there. These are essentially commission fees for getting your piece on the radio. Um, we also have prizes from all of our partners. AIR, the Association of Independence and Radio, PRX, uh, Pop-Up Archive are all offering premium memberships uh, to our finalists. Uh, so you win a bunch of stuff. That's a good incentive. Yeah, it is. Although the biggest incentive is just making this thing. People just talk to us about how great a time they have working with colleagues, putting this together. It's just the prizes are great, um, but making it is the best part, I think. One more thing. New to the radio race this year are two locales where racing teams can work. Village Workspaces in Santa Monica and the PRX Podcast Garage in Boston. If you live nearby, why do this alone? Go lose sleep with other teams. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. It's a production of PRX and Transom. John Barth takes a knife to my scripts. And for this episode, I'm recording at the University of Georgia's Grady College of Journalism. Thank you, Mark Johnson. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening. From PRX and Transom.org.